Welcome to the latest Nesson Celtics podcast. George Bletcher here with Chelsea Sherrod. The Celtics in the middle of a three-game winning streak, but bigger news coming out of the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets deciding not to hire Ime Odoka as their next head coach, instead promoting their then interim head coach, Jock Vaughn, to the actual head coaching role, give him a contract through next season. Chelsea, there's layers to this one. I want to start with what's your reaction to hearing the news that Ime Odoka went from front runner to be the head coach hours after Steve Nash was fired to now the Nets apparently are just completely passing up on him. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was clearly the best decision for the organization. When we were talking about it in the newsroom, it was just like, whoa, like the Nets public relations department gets a break. You know, they've been dealing with so much and now they don't have to deal with what could have been the backlash of hiring Ime Udoka? I think great. You know, you keep it in house. We always talk about in house hiring. I think that Jacques Vaughn, you know, he's done a great job. He's led the Nets to a two and two record since coming in for Steve Nash. You know, he's played in the league for 12 years as a player. He's a player's coach. Um, it's a huge task at hand, you know, having to coach Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. There's just a lot going on. But I think that as far as, you know, from a PR perspective, this was obviously the right decision. It's just one less thing that they have to worry about. So let's just see how they can go on in the season. Yeah. And I think with them passing up on Ime, they go with stability. Yeah. Because Ime could definitely bring that to the franchise. But given everything that is with him, he hasn't ever publicly commented. He hasn't had a press conference since he's been suspended. Right. They'd have to deal with that. That would linger throughout the season. You have what you're dealing with, with Kyrie Irving as well, and what he's done with you know, tweeting out, promoting that documentary that had a lot of anti-Semitism in it. Mm -hmm. There's just so much they needed. And Joseph Tsai, I mean, the reports from Woj and Shams means that that was legit. He was a front runner. But then Mark Stein came out with a report and said that a lot of strong voices within the Nets organization was strongly urging the governor to say, hey, we should not hire Ime Odoka. And you go with the guy, Vavon, who's been there since 2016, was their interim head coach before, was head coach for the Orlando Magic. He has that past experience. You said it 12 years as a coach, as a player. He's also been a coach in the NBA for 12 years as well. That's a lot of experience. That's a guy that led him in the bubble. Like That's through a tough time when Kenny Atkinson was fired. So he stepped up. He stuck around. I think that's big. It says a lot about Ime too because the Nets want to move forward. Yeah. There's a PR angle. They've also must have discovered more, you know, as they did their investigating on it, but they must have seen more when they really went, we have to stay away from this. Yeah, it's just like too much. I Obviously, we all know that Ime Udoka is a great coach. We saw what he did last season. But I think just from an optics standpoint, it just was not the best decision. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the Nets just have to move on with Jacques Vaughn and, you know, see how they can come out with a sort of, I guess, whatever success looks like for them. Obviously, they're chasing championships, but they've got to move on, like on to the next. So we'll see. It was inviting a lot of noise when they're already dealing with too it. Too much, too much noise. With even with even connecting themselves to Ime too Odoka. Too much noise, yeah. And the one thing when those reports came out was, and also seemed like the Celtics would not get any compensation yeah. for Ime, in a way it was... Ime did such bad that the Celtics are a suspending him for this season, willing to let him go coach a rival right. who also could be a contender at the height of their powers. Right. But he did so bad they won't even get compensation back for him. So it was like the Nets were going to invite that in for somewhere the Celtics were going to let him walk, go to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And you heard, I think, how Marcus Smart said it too, which was very telling, basically saying they heard he'll probably never coach again. To all of a sudden he was about to coach their rival, and it left them with more confusion. I guess this kind of puts a little more light on the situation for them where it just it takes out that noise for them as well. For this, yeah. It eliminates that distraction from the players on the Celtics team and for Joe Mazzulla as well. Right. On to the next.
Yeah. And for the Celtics, I mean, they've had their success. You know, they dropped that o- overtime game against the Cavaliers and then since then have won three straight. We saw them outlast a DeMar DeRozan who mid-range game and at the free throw line was unreal on a Friday night. They beat the Knicks who are getting better and we've seen Obi Toppin grow. Then they go against the Grizzlies. Tatum drops, what, 39 and they win. So it's the Celtics are making their strides they have to. They put this behind them. And it means a lot. I mean, as we see Joe Mazzulla continue, continuing to grow, ownership's yeah. liking him. yeah. I think that, you know, seven and three through your first 10 games, I like it. Um, at the end of the day, these guys have to play basketball. And we all know that. Yeah. Jason Tatum, I think, has really stepped up. He's really been that guy. I mean, he's been in some games. I mean, he was shooting like 60 percent, 67, 68 percent from the field. I mean, that's huge. The last couple of games he shot over 40 percent from the field. The Celtics currently lead the league in three pointers made. So that's huge for them as well. Uh, obviously, like, you know, they're working through the new additions that they have, building chemistry. But as far as Jason Tatum is concerned, he is being the leader that they need him to be. Uh, Jalen Brown, on the other hand, we've seen the inconsistencies that we've seen in seasons past. We're seeing that already through 10 games. But I'm liking seven and three. They obviously have some defensive things that they need to get together. We talk about how they play down the stretch as well. Um but seven wins, I, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, for Tatum averaging 31 points, shooting almost 50% from his field goals, yeah. 38% from three. You These know, are all career highs. Almost 90% from the free throw line. Yeah. Like, that's insane it's to think of. Highs. And be- because of how he finished last season, it's, you, you, we get used to greatness a little bit you know, in all sports. And it's like it's what's happened with LeBron, where he could be the MVP every season. It's ha- it's happened with Steph, as good of a shooter as he is. You could go to the NFL and say it's happened with Patrick Mahomes, right? It feels like that's already starting to happen with Jason Tatum, where the scoring run that he's on isn't like spoken about nationally enough. Like how good he is, and he's continuing to do it. We saw a glimpse second yeah. half of the season into the postseason yeah. and the finals. Yeah. He's carrying it forward, and I mean, again, he's he's going to be a top five MVP guy. I like you bring up Jalen Brown because that was my. That was my pick for four season all pro dude. I and I said the struggles are behind him. The inconsistency is behind him and it's not. It's, it's not. killing me. It's not. I mean, he obviously, you know, was dealing with a lot of things off the court as well. I'm not sure how much that plays into what he's doing on the court. But yeah, we definitely are seeing some inconsistencies from him. Um, as definitely as far as his shooting. I mean, in the Grizzlies game, he went eight for twenty. He went one for six from three. I mean, and that's that's tough. Granted, he he finished with twenty one and nine. Uh, but he had seven turnovers in that game as well. And so when you when you see the seven turnovers, you're like, okay, like you're not protecting the basketball. These are like immature things that he's still doing, that he's still working through. Um, and in order for the Celtics to be the team that we think that they can be, he needs to get this together. And of course, we're only 10 games into the season. We're not even in December yet. But when you see a guy like Jason Tatum playing so well, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, I understand you're the number two guy for a reason, but you've got to kind of pick up some of the slack there. And he's a guy where we've seen him go into an offseason, come back with a deeper offensive bag. And now for him, it was, can you get those handles tighter? And it's, and it's yeah. we've seen glimpses of it and we've seen that he's had better handles. But again, like you said, there's just being, there's just being smart with the basketball and seven turnovers for a dude that's as sharp as him on the court. It just can't happen. He has to be there solid, no doubt about it. Second best player. He has to be at an all pro level for them to win a championship. Yeah. 10 games in, he has 72 to go. There's a lot to go there. But it is something that you always have to watch throughout this season. Yeah. The scoring can be there. 
But at the end of the day, and this is also a team that prides himself on defense, you can't keep giving extra extra possessions right. and stupid mistakes right. to the other team. Right. Second possession, second chance points, that cannot happen. How do you feel about how Marcus Smart has been playing? Because I've seen some people say, you know, like Marcus Smart, offensively it seems like, you know, he's getting into a little bit of a groove. We're kind of seeing, you know, what the benefit of having him and him being able to hit shots and score for the Celtics is doing. But – I just want to know if, if you see like a huge jump already from Marcus Smart from last season to this season. I see it's a carryover what his role was and how, again, it's, we saw that midseason switch with the Celtics mm-hmm. and we saw it come from their defense. And I think a big part for it was Marcus Smart rethinking his role and going, you don't need to be a great shooter. You just need to be serviceable yeah. as a shooter. And you have to run this offense and be the best defensive player we have. And I think that's carried over. So for him, it's like he hit the ground running where he... He's picking up where he left off last season. Mm-hmm. And again, we see the fingerprints of Damon Stoudemire mm-hmm. all over of how he's rethought his role. And I think at the same time, he gets it. He sees where the scoring can come from. The scoring's deeper on the team this year because of an addition like a Malcolm Brogdon and what we've seen with the growth from those guys, yeah, especially in the backcourt. So I think you know he'll always get the criticism. His threes, anytime he shoots one, is overemphasized because of the amount of bad threes fans have seen over the years. <laughs> but that's a guy that still has to shoot it. He still has to yeah, go out and do his thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think what's he, he understands he has to run the offense and run the defense, can still pick up one through five. So I, I've, I've always been a Marcus Smart fan because he is a guy that is underrated. And it's just like it's the popular thing to do is to hate on him, right? No, yeah. It's a sure. social media effect with Marcus Smart. So you see fans <laughs> do that. But when you watch him, it's like his role is so pivotal to this team. No, a thousand percent. And, and even when you look at the last three games, the last three wins that the Celtics have, I mean, he's pretty much been shooting 50% from the field. Mm-hmm. So I think that the quality of shots that he's taking is obviously better. He's making more of them. If he can give them, like in the, the Memphis game, he gave them 15 points, 12 assists, seven rebounds. Like, those are the games from Marcus Smart that are just like, yes, like, this is why we have this guy here. Like, he had a few, uh, I think in the, in the Bulls game, he went five for 10 from the field, 12 points. He had an assist, a steal. And the Knicks game, he had 13 points, 11 yeah, assists. Yeah, so it's like, it's, so it's like if you balance. can have this consistency from yeah. him offensively, because yeah. we already know what he can do defensively, yeah. then that's just like, that's a game changer for them. It's not get out of Jason Tatum's way, but it is. Go yeah. hit your shots, take smart shots, yeah, make the possessions like, count. Exactly. And him knowing his role could be a very, very, very good number three on this team. Yeah. And he knows that. Yeah. Be the third best player. Now, and nights where you're going to have to be the second best player if Jalen Brown isn't there yeah. for what he needs to do. So right. there's, a, there's the maturation of Marcus Smart. And I think what he means for this defense, as Robert Williams is still on the mend, and this defense just... I feel like with every game we watch, it just I know like you can see a lot of point totals. 106 against the Grizzlies, let up 118 against the Knicks, 119 against the Bulls. That's a lot. That's yeah. not what this defense can do. Yeah. But there's just such a big gaping hole with not having Robert Williams there because a Noah Vonley, a Blake Griffin, that's not the same. And Al Horford isn't the same. For sure. You know? For sure. And I think that's something that I forget about sometimes, especially when I'm looking at some of their defensive like struggles or woes, and I'm just like, what the heck? Like, rebounding too yeah it's just like but again i forget that rob williams is going to be inserted into this lineup and that's going to be a game changer for them as far as rim protection just how long and how much space he takes up inside the paint that's going to be big for them but yeah i mean they're giving up way too many points even in the in the bulls game 
They were outscored in the fourth quarter. Granted, it was only by two points, but it's just like, again. Closing out. Yes, you have to close out these games strong. So I think if they can get there, and again, we just talked about um, Jason Tatum's free throw shooting. He went 17 for 20 in that game. That's Ooh. crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, they've got to get some defensive things together. Um, and again, it takes a team effort to do that down the stretch. And there is that 3.4 million injured player exception they got for Danilo Gallinari. Yep. And we could see that maybe they use it for another big to come in because they need the front court depth. Like Luke Cornett has been good. Al Horford's been great. He's been doing what he has. But you see still like Blake Griffin's not going to play every night. Can you yeah. get a younger big? Can you get someone with experience? Right. What I think of, and I think of like someone of Robert Williams' literal stature and size is like there's a Hassan Whiteside hanging out there. Mm-hmm. He made his money being good at defense. And then all of a sudden he decided he didn't want to play defense anymore. So I just don't see him being a fit with the Celtics. But at the same time, it's like I never saw Blake Griffin being a fit with the Celtics. That's true. So it's what does Joe Mazzulla see? What does Brad Stevens see? Who could they go out and get? And you just need someone to hold down the fort, help this defense piece it together. And again, you want that deep bench when it comes time for the postseason. Yeah. How do you feel about Joe Mazzulla and how he's doing? It's good. I mean, through 10 games, they're at seven and three. You know, like I'm waiting for real adversity to hit this team. But when you see games like the Bulls game, where I was going shot for shot, tough calls on the refs. Yeah you're defending a really tough player like a DeMar DeRozan where it's either he's getting to his mid-range or he's just getting to the free throw line and making it. You see a team still sticking together. And even go back to the Memphis game where that's a team that mirrors the Celtics in a lot of ways, plays really hard, Mm -hmm. good at defense, has a superstar in John Morant, and they're pulling out close wins. I think that says a lot about what the head coach is, their trust in them. The Celtics do seem offensively to be moving at a slower pace this season. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying off turnovers, off rebounds. Mm And I know, I feel like Ime would let them free flow, free flow a lot more last season. Mm. If that is a Missoula adjustment, if that's an overall Jason Tatum adjustment, I don't know. But I think offensively, I still there's a lot left to be desired okay. still. And it's also with, with Jalen's struggles coming. But for the team to be 7-3 and three, with no Rob Williams, with Jalen Brown still leaving more meat on the bone, and still with this cloud over them where there are games where Marcus Smart's gone to the podium and he's saying, I'm not answering any questions about Ime Doka. I'm not answering anything about Kyrie Irving. There's still distractions going on. Seven and three start beating the teams they are. It's a great start from Missoula. What do you think about him so far? I agree. I mean, I think that he's gotten all of his guys to buy in to what he wants to do. And that's kind of just like what you were saying. But I think that, you know, he he takes control of the locker room. Obviously, in the beginning of the season, we did see a couple of moments where you know, he could have called a timeout here or there, especially down the stretch or in overtime. And I think that that just comes with experience. But yeah, I think he's doing a great job. I mean, it's easy to say you're doing a great job when your team has won seven out of 10 games, right? And Jason Tatum on the team. Right, exactly. <laughs> Got a little bit of talent over there too. Um, but I think that, you know, like he he's commanding. I think that all the guys want to play hard and play well for him. And if you have a team that's passionate about winning and passionate about making their head coach you know, successful, especially in his first year. I mean, you really can't go wrong there. So, yeah, I think that he's doing a great job. We'll have to see once we get into the real nitty-gritty part of the season. There's obviously going to be a lot more experiences and there will be more times where we're going to see how Joe Mazzula grows as a head coach in his decision-making. But I think that through 10 games, yeah, I mean, I'm liking it. I'm always one that I preach patience. And I know it's tough in this day and age, yes. but like, especially in 82 game season, like you said, yeah, yeah. there's going to be game management and there's going to be growth learning. 
He was like, he wasn't the number one guy on Ime's bench, right. but he's a Brad Stevens guy. Right. The players love him. He is the guy that when you want to learn this defense, you go to Joe Missoula. Yeah. When you get traded to the Boston Celtics, whatever it may be, he's a dude that runs that. That's why he was elevated. He's going to have a lot to learn. And it goes into like, even the next stretch the Celtics have, Detroit Pistons mm-hmm. with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey on Wednesday night. Then the Nuggets. Then the then the uh, Pistons again. Like these small stretches and the bigger stretches you see. It's like different tests, different stresses on the yeah. defense. And we'll see how Missoula adjusts. Yeah. I think for the Celtics especially, it'll be how they capitalize in games that they should win. Yeah. Like they have almost like a back-to-back pretty much with Detroit. Like they've got Detroit, Denver, then Detroit again. Like, I think that these are games that, you know, you should come away with a win from. So it's how do you go about getting that win? It's not about having hiccups mid-game and then you're falling asleep in the fourth quarter. It's about how can you play a full game? How can your head coach, you know, be, like you said, a game manager and get you those wins? Mm -hmm. So I think if the Celtics can capitalize, especially in this next stretch, and they've got Oklahoma City, they've got Atlanta with Trey Young, um, I think that it'll be huge. So... The three on the road at Hawks, at Pelicans, at Bills, at Bills, Bulls. Yeah. But like a three game road trip like that stretch, yeah. again, it's just different tests for this team. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And for Missoula so far, I mean, a guy, the whole, like the Celtics are still that cloud over it. The one thing that would have given me if Ime Odoka was hired by the Nets with everything aside, would have, it would have, would the interim tag been lifted from Missoula? Would it have the Celtics been able to put it behind them? They still have something lingering over them. Yeah. But I think what you've seen when you get a 7-3 and three start from this team, Jason Tatum playing to the level he is, you can tell they're able to block out all that. So whether yeah. he's still there or not, doesn't matter to them. They're still yeah. going to be a great team. Yeah, Celtics. I mean, they have no choice. They have to yeah. move forward. But I think for all of us, everyone kind of just wants a definitive answer as to yeah. what happened, what's next, so we can all move forward from it. Yeah. Because... It's still kind of lingering over our heads. Those questions are always going to come out yeah, um, and come up to these players, especially during media availability. So, yeah, if the Nets hired Udoka, we'd be like, all right, great. He's in Brooklyn. Like, there you go. Mm-hmm. On to the next. Let's mm-hmm. play the rest of the season. It would have made that broken, Brooklyn matchup uh, interesting, what, December 4th? A thousand percent. Still is going to be. Yeah. Because you given what Steve Nash had with Harden. KD and Kyrie only playing 16 games together. You trade Harden for a guy that doesn't play. Now Ben Simmons is playing. Now Kevin Durant's frustrated with him. Now you yeah. bring in a guy like Jock Vaughn or keep him. And it's, again, they get stability. Yeah. And the, the Nets still linger out there as a power in the East. Oh, a thousand percent. If they can get it together in Brooklyn, if everyone can be on the same page, if they're not doing quote unquote dumb things and they can just play basketball, then yeah, of course they're going to be, you know, an Eastern Conference Finals contender. Of course they're going to be a big powerhouse like you mentioned in the mm-hmm. East. Like that's what the Celtics are looking at, right? Kevin mm-hmm. Durant is one of the best players in the world. I personally think he's the best player in the NBA right now. Um so if they can, I mean Kyrie and KD have said previously like we don't really need a coach type thing. Like we can yeah. kind of just be like the player coaches yeah, when whatever. Yeah, Kyrie said that. I was like you out of everyone needs Right. But I feel like because they're bringing in a guy like Jacques Vaughn, and of course I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know exactly what's going on, but because they know him, Mm -hmm. because he was their assistant, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's less like, I don't know if tension is the right word, but I feel like it's like, oh yeah, like he's, you know, we're comfortable with him. Like he's going to let us do what we got to do type thing. Um, The the Nets are going to try to play that the way that they can play. Mm -hmm. 
inserting Ben Simmons. I don't really know exactly what's going on with him. He's still dealing with things on the yeah. basketball court. But as far as KD and Kyrie are concerned, going to be a big test for the Celtics. At the base of this decision by the Nets, everything they've done up to this point was catered to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Finally, they made a decision as a franchise of we need to go with a smart basketball move for the Brooklyn Nets. Not for Kevin Durant, especially not for Kyrie Irving, yeah. because you're a guy that doesn't even show up and want to play. Let's go with a coach that we believe in that we think can be the right fit. And I think that's why it was the right move. Because yeah. going from getting rid of Kenny Atkinson, that why they hired Steve Nash to getting rid of Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. And now with promoting Jock Vaughn, they finally made a decision that was best for them as a franchise. And that's a one piece of, uh, I'd say where there was a smart decision. Yeah. Something just came down that part of the Nets decision to go with Jock Vaughn was because of the anti-Semitism controversy with Kyrie Irving. And so base. They want familiarity with Kyrie. They. I'm trying to look for the rest of the story, but I just got that notification. I don't know what that has to do with Ime Udoka. I don't know if that means that Ime. I mean, I'm not going to assume anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means about Ime Udoka, but that's the notification I just got. I don't know if you just got that from Who, uh, ESPN. From ESPN. Yeah. Um, I, the way I would. Yeah, I haven't gotten notification. The way I would read into that was just, again, it goes into stability. Jock Vaughn obviously knows Kyrie. So I think if they want to move forward, and I guess for Kyrie would listen to someone that he's somewhat familiar with and has been there. Oh, yeah. The Nets backed off an initial plan to hire Yudoka based on several factors, including a prolonged anti-Semitism controversy with Kyrie Irving, coupled with the impending disruption that would have come with the hiring of Udoka in the aftermath of his suspension. So that's pretty much what we were saying. Yeah, it was a PR that, move. Yeah, it was a PR move. It just would have been too much. Too, For the team. It's just, why draw all this attention and none of this attention is because we're a good basketball team. Yeah. The attention is about Simple all things off of the court that are super just like individual, subjective, personal. Like we don't need that as an organization. And again, the Boston Celtics would not have suspended and let Ime Odoka walk away for nothing, a guy that had them two wins away from an NBA title, if it wasn't something really, really bad. Yeah. So it is, again, if more information, investigation comes out, like, again, just the move of, like, you still have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. So if you get Jock Vaughn in there, it's just get a coach that won't mess it up. And I believe in Jock Vaughn in that. Yeah. We'll see. A little breaking news on the pod this week. <laughs> Chelsea Sherrod, thanks for that assist. Yeah, no problem. So you're frantically confused looking at the phone for a second. I was like, like, what is going on right now? I like, assume you were bored with me as the usual. So I'm like, all right, I got to wrap this up because Chelsea's done with me. <laughs> no, I have December 4th circled on my calendar, on my schedule. So. December 4th and Christmas Day against the Bucks. Those are yeah. the two games I can't wait to yeah. see. Because you said KD, I say Giannis this season, but like Easter Conference Finals and all three of those teams. Yeah, no, for it. sure. For sure. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ness and Celtics podcast. Make sure to tune in every week for George Blackshin and Chelsea Sherrod. Have a great rest of your day, everyone.